0: Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: It's Sunday, August 26th. I'm Margaret Brennan, and this is Face the Nation. America loses a towering figure in politics. Republican war hero John McCain dies after a 13-month battle with brain cancer, surrounded by friends and family. As the 81-year-old decorated Vietnam veteran, torture survivor, two-time presidential candidate and maverick politician left his Arizona ranch for the last time, condolences poured in. Some lives are so vivid, it is difficult to imagine them ended, President George W. Bush wrote. From President Obama, few of us have been tested the way John once was or required to show the kind of courage that he did. We'll hear remembrances from McCain's friends and Senate colleagues, Arizona Republican Jeff Flake and Illinois Democrat Dick Durbin. McCain set a record on our broadcast with 112 appearances on Face the Nation.
2: I'm sorry. Thank you, Senator. We've run Uh, out of time. I had more
3: to
1: say. (laughs) Our Bob Schieffer and John Dickerson reflect on a political giant. Plus, thoughts from Secretary John Kerry, a Democrat who once considered asking McCain to be his running mate.
4: You know, we kind of flirted, but didn't go on a date.
1: (laughs) All of that and stories from some of the journalists who knew him best. Coming up on Face the Nation. Good morning, and welcome to Face the Nation. There has been an outpouring of emotion following the death of John McCain. CBS News Chief Congressional Correspondent Nancy Cordes is in Sedona, Arizona, near the McCain family home. Nancy, what are the plans to honor the Senator's life?
0: Good morning, Margaret. Well, as you can see, constituents and neighbors have already come by with flowers and flags as a farewell gesture, and the entire state will have a chance to say goodbye when McCain lies in state at the Arizona Capitol building later this week. He'll be eulogized by former Vice President Joe Biden and other close friends at a service in Phoenix. And then his body will be taken to Washington, where he will lie in state at the U.S. Capitol, where he served for 36 years. There will also be a service at the National Cathedral. McCain never got tired of joking with that trademark self-deprecation that he finished fifth from the bottom of his class at the U.S. Naval Academy, and he has asked to be buried there in Annapolis, Maryland, near the grave of a close
1: friend. Margaret? Nancy, thank you. In the more than six-decade history of Face the Nation, John McCain was our most frequent guest, and Bob Schieffer conducted most of those interviews. Bob offers us this appreciation of the life of John McCain.
5: Americans first came to know John McCain as a Navy pilot shot down in 1967 over North Vietnam. As a prisoner of war, his captors tortured him for five and a half years. When they learned he was a famous admiral's son, they tried to release him for propaganda purposes, but he refused to go until the other prisoners were freed. It was such courage that marked his long political life. Through two presidential campaigns and decades in the Senate, he became one of the best-known politicians in America and was never afraid to cross party lines
3: independents, Democrats, libertarians, vegetarians, come on over, vote for me. In 1985,
5: he made his first appearance on Face the the Nation.
1: Joining us are Arizona Congressman John McCain.
5: By 2008, he had set a record for the most appearances on the broadcast. Welcome John McCain to his 65th appearance (laughs) on (laughs) Face the Nation. (laughs) McCain set the record on the Sunday after winning the Republican presidential nomination with what may have been the most unusual strategy in political history.
3: We lost the trust of the American people when some Republicans gave in to the temptations of corruption.
5: He told the nominating convention his party had lost its way and was part of the country's problem.
3: We came to power to change Washington, and Washington changed us.
5: The general election campaign proved to be as unusual as his fight for the Republican nomination.
6: Uh, frankly, At one point, he, he, he found scared. himself
5: defending uh, his opponent,
3: Barack Obama's Obama honor. He is a decent person.
5: After a person supporter
3: called Obama no. Arab. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. He's a, he's, a, he's a decent family man, citizen that I just happen to have disagreements with on, on fundamental issues. And that's what this campaign is all about. McCain hoped to win the
5: presidency by attracting independent swing voters. To do that, he toyed with making independent Democrat Joe Lieberman his running mate. Advisors talked him out of it.
3: The next vice president of the United States...
5: Instead, they recommended little-known Alaska Governor Sarah Palin. You can actually
1: see Russia from land here in Alaska.
5: Her gaffe-prone campaign ended whatever chance he had to win independence. Add on to that a bad economy and he lost in a landslide. McCain got over it by plunging into his work in the Senate where he championed causes large and small, sometimes causes his own party wanted no part of. It was former prisoner of war McCain who took on many Republicans to declare America could never condone torture even against our worst enemies.
3: It's not about them. It's about us. It's about us. What we were, what we are and what we and what we should be. And that's a nation that does not engage in these kinds of of violations of the fundamental basic human rights that we guaranteed when we declared our independence.
5: He's not a war hero. Americans were shocked during the 2016 campaign when Republican candidate Donald Trump attacked McCain, saying, He's a war hero because he was
6: captured. I like people that weren't captured.
5: McCain stayed above the fray during the controversy that ensued, but his relationship with Trump was never warm. And he was the deciding vote that killed the new president's plan to repeal Obamacare. For McCain, it was always about the issues, seldom about who sided with him. He could be the Senate's fiercest critic. We're getting nothing done, my friends. We're getting nothing done. But he loved the place, respected its rules, and maintained friendships with his toughest opponents, like the late Democratic senator...
3: Ted Kennedy. Oh, we had some of the great bouts, and yet I remember one time we had a huge fight that uh, two freshmen had begun, and we drove them from the floor. And afterwards, we were walking off the floor, and he put his arm around me, and he said, we really did a good one that time, didn't we, John?
5: When he and Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer were working to find a compromise on immigration, I remarked it was the first time they had appeared on the Face the Nation set together. What I didn't say was that it was McCain who had convinced Schumer to cancel travel plans and stay in Washington to show solidarity. When Hillary Clinton called him her favorite Republican as she was preparing to run for president, I asked I McCain ask the obvious who, uh, question. I hope is she's
3: your favorite Democrat? Actually, I hope this program is blacked out in Arizona. Please <laughs> cut. <No>. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I respect. Uh, uh, Secretary, Senator Clinton. I respect her views. We have had disagreements on a number of issues. Uh, But I think it's my job to work with every president if she is, (laughs) uh, regrettably, if she she attains the presidency.
5: As chairman of the Armed Services Committee, McCain flew to battlefields and trouble spots around the world. When Ukraine became dangerous, I questioned his decision to go to Kiev. I know you think you're bulletproof, but do you feel safe there, Senator?
3: Uh, I always feel safe, Bob. I I told you in the past, I know that I'm going to die, but it's only going to be in bed.
5: I always felt John McCain had no more fear of death than he had of taking on an uphill political fight. And to the end, he fought every fight with every ounce of energy that time allowed. And he was still fighting. When time ran out,
2: I'm sorry. Thank you, Senator. We've run
3: out. of time. I had more to say.
5: (laughs) So John McCain's voice is stilled, but how he lived his life will always speak volumes about service to our country, our obligation to others, and most of all, about having the courage, no matter the consequences, to stand up for what we believe is right. John McCain appeared on Face the Nation 112 times. This is Bob Schieffer.
1: A fitting tribute from Bob Schieffer. We're joined now by John McCain's fellow senator from Arizona, Jeff Flake, who joins us from Phoenix. Senator Flake served with McCain in Congress for 17 years and called him both a friend and a mentor. Senator McCain spent some 40 years in the U.S. Congress. Uh, Senator Flake, how would you describe his impact on American politics?
7: Oh, it's nothing short of huge. Um, He... uh, uh, had an outsized impact on Congress entire, his entire time there, um, particularly in the last uh, uh, several years. He uh, was the conscience of the Senate. He really was. And so I, I don't think you can uh, overstate the importance or impact of his uh, impact on the body.
1: I know you saw him just a, a day or so ago. Uh, what was that like for you?
7: Well, to be there with the family as they uh, uh, were, were with him right near the end was just a, a, a privilege. And uh, to, to thank him, um, I don't know how much he, he could uh, appreciate at that point, but to thank him for especially speaking out uh, in this last year when we needed his voice the most. And I thanked his family for such good care and allowing him and helping him uh, to speak out when we needed to hear his voice.
1: You've called McCain the conscious, conscience of the Senate, um, and in many ways you've taken up some of his mantle of being a straight talker, but you're retiring. Who becomes that voice for America now?
7: Oh, I, I think that there will be people who are there and who, others who will rise up. And one of the last long conversations I had with John was a few months ago, Uh, sitting there watching the Oak Creek roll by and he expressed uh, such admiration for Arizona leaders in the past who stood up, these uh, iconoclastic uh, Arizona figures like Goldwater and Mo Udall and and others and uh, and he expressed at that time his optimism that others would come to the fore, that at some point the voters would value uh, people who can govern and who reach across the aisle and see good in their opponents. And so uh, I think that that's uh, certainly his legacy. And uh, I, I, I do believe that others will stand out.
1: Well, it, it, along with that idea, I mean, the senator has, uh, had asked two of the men who defeated him in his bids for the presidency, uh, Barack Obama and George W. Bush, to speak at his funeral. President Trump notably will not be participating. Uh, what does that signify to you?
7: Well, it says uh, all you need to know about John McCain. That uh, the two, you know, these were bitter contests, uh, both of them, and uh, to ask them to speak at your funeral, and for them to be uh, honored uh, at the at the opportunity, uh, that tells you all you need to know. He was quick to forgive. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, put the, the good of the country above himself, and um, the fact that his his former opponents will be there speaking says uh, all we need to know
1: do you see any glimpse of the kind of bipartisan spirit that that you talked about McCain having his ability to reach across the aisle coming to the fore now I mean, one of the things that senator mccain wrote about in his most recent memoir was his frustration his regret that things like immigration reform were just not possible right.
7: Yes, I mean, we're going to have to, put it that way. Uh, the Senate is structured in a way that you have to reach across the aisle. I think that's why John McCain enjoyed the Senate so much. It forced that kind of compromise. Uh, but lately, uh, you know, we've, we've done our best, frankly, to, to, to make it a partisan body. Uh, so it, it has to change. Uh, there's no other way. Uh, we, we need to govern. There are some big issues that we need to solve that can only be solved if we reach across the aisle. I hope that we do it in the tradition of John McCain. He never shied away uh, from the tough issues. Let me tell you, coming from Arizona, uh, immigration is something that mm-hmm. that is polarizing and, and difficult, uh, but he dug right in. And uh, I, I participated with him in the so-called Gang of Eight, those negotiations in 2013 Uh, He led those negotiations. He knew that it was something that needed to be done, and it could only be done on a bipartisan basis. Uh, That's going to apply to a number of issues going forward. So I don't think we have a choice but to go that direction.
1: You know, top Democrat Chuck Schumer says he's going to introduce a resolution to rename the Russell Office Building, a building named after a senator who often opposed to civil rights and rename it for John McCain. Do you think that that is a fitting tribute? What, what is the tribute you would look for?
7: Well, that, I want to be the first Republican co-sponsor uh, for that resolution. Uh, I think that that would be a fitting tribute. Uh, there are many other things that, that we need to do, uh, but that's a good one. Uh, John McCain uh, had his office just right near mine in the Russell building. That's where he was his entire time. Uh, I think that that's a fitting tribute.
1: John McCain's longtime aide, his, his co-writer Mark Salter, uh, has a very touching uh, eulogy to the senator today. Uh, I want to read a line from it for you. He said, McCain was a romantic about his causes and a cynic about the world, but he thought it a moral failure to accept injustice as the inescapable tragedy of our fallen nature. What does that make you think? I okay? think
7: that's... Mm-hmm well I mean that's that's John Uh, he was passionate he was passionate about American leadership Uh, he wasn't willing to accept that people anywhere on the globe uh, could live in a situation where they had no chance for freedom Uh, that's why he was never apologetic about our values and our involvement in the world so that says a lot about John uh, and he uh, he lived that uh, right till the end uh, he, he was always passionate about America and its leadership in the world.
1: Senator, I know this is a difficult morning for you, and you are feeling the loss, so we thank you for joining us.
7: Thank you for having me on.
1: We'll be back in one minute with a lot more Face the Nation, so don't go away.
7: Memories make us laugh
2: and cry. And sometimes cringe when we look back at our fashion choices. But in between flashbacks of bowl cuts and dad jeans, our memories are fading and so is the old media that holds them. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako, and we're the founders of Legacy Box. Legacy Box is the easiest and safest way to preserve your family memories. Here's how it works. Fill Legacy Box with your outdated media. We professionally digitize and send them back on DVDs, thumb drive, or the cloud. Look, those forgotten home movies, VHS tapes, film reels...
1: we're back with illinois senator dick durbin the number two democrat in the senate and a longtime colleague of john mccain's he joins us from whitewater wisconsin this morning senator thank you for joining us how would you describe john mccain's impact on american politics
8: well he always had a, a voice of clarity and vision and courage but i remember those moments of uncommon decency which is uh, unfortunately in short supply on the american political scene Uh, I can recall when he rose to the defense of Barack Obama at a moment in the campaign when very few expected him to contrast that with what we went through in the -er locker-up chance of the last election. I can remember when John spoke out clearly against the white supremacists uh, in Virginia uh, and made it clear that he considered them to be cowards. And I can remember when he stood up for the issue of immigration. Not an easy issue for anybody, certainly not a conservative Republican from Arizona. We spent six months together negotiating a bipartisan, comprehensive bill four Democrats, four Republicans. John was our leader, and we knew with him in charge we were going to finish the job right.
1: Well, You heard uh, Senator Flake also reference those efforts to get immigration done, and we know Senator McCain says it was one of his great regrets that that effort failed, And in his memoir, I want to read you this because it it really kind of speaks to his maverick reputation. He says, to get immigration reform done, either Democrats need to retake the House or Republican leaders break and bring a bill to the floor for a vote that offends the Freedom Caucus. Is that what it would take to get immigration reform done?
8: Well, I I hope not because John McCain used to say to me uh, personally and to Republicans especially, Uh, Look to the future. This is a very diverse nation. If the Republican Party is going to have a future in places like the southwest of our nation, we better be attentive to the needs of uh, immigration. Sure, we need border security, and we don't want dangerous people in the United States, but let's have a sensible, rational plan instead of this mess of laws that we have on immigration. John used to call the meetings of this uh, gang of eight. And you never knew quite what you'd run into in his office. There'd be that time when he'd blow his top and get that steely look in his eye. And and you think to yourself, I don't want to be around this Navy fighter pilot for a moment (laughs) or two. Then he'd calm down, and the next thing we know, we're moving into an area of agreement. Um, He was widely respected, but he knew what the goal was. The goal was to make this a better nation.
1: But he also was very, very frustrated in that return he he made to the, the Senate floor Uh, right after his diagnosis, uh, he he said that Congress is getting nothing done for the American people. Do you see any spark of bipartisanship that comes from his passing?
8: Well, I can tell you that there are possibilities, glimmers of hope uh, within the Senate now. I'm just hoping that both sides of the aisle will take inspiration from John's life and message. I made a point of staying on the floor and heard him deliver that. And I will tell you, Margaret, I've seen a lot of votes in the House and the Senate. The one that sticks in my mind was after 2 a.m. in the morning when John McCain came through those doors into the Senate chamber just leaving a phone call from the President of the United States. He walked up to that table and he could barely move his arm because of the injuries he'd suffered during Vietnam and he pushed his thumb down and said no. And with that courageous no vote, he saved the health insurance for millions of Americans. It was a kind of political courage that isn't displayed very often. I hope it's displayed more in his memory.
1: Well, we know that moment certainly stuck in the mind of President Trump. Um, We know that the president will not be part of the tribute to Senator McCain. What does that signify to you?
8: The president has disrespected many people, but when he disrespected John McCain and the other prisoners of war, it was a moment I'll never forget. Uh, And John handled it with such class, he could have roared back at this president and turned the veterans of the United States uh, against the president, but he was very quiet about it. And I think he knew that uh, the enduring legacy of his service to our country, along with so many other veterans, uh, was going to prevail over those harsh and nasty words by President Trump.
1: Do you see anyone trying to block this effort that Senator Schumer says he wants to launch to rename the Russell building after Senator McCain? Any Republicans?
8: I certainly don't. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't. Can't speak for the Republican side of the aisle. But I heard Jeff Flake earlier, and uh, Jeff, uh, another worthy uh, representative of the state of Arizona. Uh, I am sure that uh, he and I and many others can make this a bipartisan effort. But even more important than naming a building, and that is important, and I agree with Senator Schumer. Even more important is that we remember what John, Cain's, John McCain's message was to us do something for America. You're elected to solve problems, tackle the tough issues and be fair and decent when you do. That was what I heard on the floor of the Senate. And that, I hope, is the enduring legacy of McCain's service.
1: Well, you said there are sparks of hope. We'll wait and see what that actually results in. Um, But I want to ask you the same question that I put to Senator Flake, which was, you know, who is the voice? Who is the conscience of the Senate now?
8: I don't know that it's any one person. And, you know, John stood out from so many of us because of his extraordinary service to our country, risking his life five and a half years in the POW camp, service in the House and in the Senate, and just the way he conducted himself. But each and every one of us have to play that role uh, in his memory. Uh, I'm not sure there's one person that's going to grab the banner Mm -hmm. and move forward. But if we take a lesson from his life and his public life, we can make a difference.
1: Senator Durbin, thank you. We'll be back in a moment. Take a moment to hear from John McCain in his own words from his recent book, The Restless Wave.
3: The world is a fine place and worth the fighting for, and I hate very much to leave it, spoke my hero Robert Jordan and For Whom the Bell Tolls. And I do, too. I hate to leave it, but I don't have a complaint, not one. It's been quite a ride. I've known great passions, seen amazing wonders, fought in a war, and helped make a peace. I've lived very well and I've been deprived of all comforts. I've been as lonely as a person can be and I've enjoyed the company of heroes. I've suffered the deepest despair and experienced the highest exaltation. I made a small place for myself in the story of America and the history of my times.
1: Perhaps one of the most surprising enterprises for a former prisoner of war in Vietnam were Senator John McCain's efforts to make peace there and his partnership with a fellow veteran and protester of that war, Massachusetts Democratic Senator John Kerry. Kerry writes about it in his upcoming memoir, Every Day is Extra.
4: I write a lot about John McCain and my journey uh, in reaching back to Vietnam because that story is a story of keeping faith with soldiers. It's a story of keeping faith with the American people, but it's also a story of two guys who had a different point of view about a major event in American history who found a way to come together. So a POW and a protester Mm -hmm. found a way to be able to make the system work and to work together and find common ground. What's happening in the country and the notion that my journey, I believe, is relevant to how... We try to fix our country, how you know you can't you don't just speak out, which I did quite forcefully. But you work to implement our democracy by uh, reaching out across the aisle, by building relationships, by believing in the better angels of American value system. And I think John McCain did that. It's the journey we all went through, where Vietnam tore the country apart. John McCain and I had differences in how we found each other's common ground on an airplane flying to kuwait
1: you said that was one of the most consequential conversations of your entire career at New absolutely Congress. absolutely
4: Why? well because it resulted in this partnership which sometimes had tensions but which got things done
1: you say at one point you even considered played with the idea at least of well we partnering sat with him we sat down and mate.
4: talked but uh there were difficult issues to try to work out you know, we kind of flirted, but didn't go on a date. <laughs> He's an incredibly courageous and strong individual. He's a very special, uh, very special patriot.
1: We'll hear more from former Senator Kerry about his book, Every Day's Extra, next Sunday on Face the Nation and CBS Sunday Morning. We'll be right back.
6: Are you having trouble sleeping? NFL players have been coached. Blue light from smart devices, it can affect your sleep. They'll even wear blue blocker glasses in the evening for improved sleep. Others will try tart cherry juice and smoothies. Not only can it help fight inflammation, but to help you sleep, it's got high amounts of natural melatonin that's beneficial for sleep. The other night, my girlfriend told me I was snoring way too much and even the earplugs weren't helping. So the next day, she took me to a Sleep Number store because if I was snoring, at least she could get a good night's sleep on a Sleep Number bed. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movement and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably through the night. With Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping so you can know every morning how well you've slept and gain insights for your best sleep. Experience the smart, effortless comfort of the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. Find your competitive edge with proven quality sleep from $999. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com cadence. That's sleepnumber.com slash C-A-D-E-N-C-E, Sleep Number.
1: My predecessor at this desk interviewed John McCain not just for this broadcast, but he spent hours one-on-one with Candidate McCain as a reporter when he was on the straight talk express back in 2000 joining us now from chicago is of course john dickerson john thank you for joining us this morning uh, I, I know you spent so Great to many be with you, Margaret. you spent so many hours w- with the senator what was it like to be part of that campaign Well,
2: you know, the campaign was the message of the McCain presidency. He started out, as he said, so low in the polls that with the margin of error, he might actually have been in negative territory. (laughs) And he's, uh, you know, he's famous and being lauded now. But back then, he was he didn't have a shot. He was running against the establishment of his party. Uh, He was running against George W. Bush, who had all the money and all the endorsements. Uh, But what McCain basically said is, Washington is corrupt, there is too much money in Washington, and my campaign, by taking on the establishment, will show you what's possible in Washington, uh, where we can break down the fact that money has influence on all pieces of legislation. And it's kind of extraordinary to think back about that. He was in the Senate, and he was essentially saying that all of his colleagues were corrupt, and that he himself had been corrupted by money. The fact that he then was able to take that long shot campaign through was evidence that his message could work and was paying off with with the voters.
1: And as you say, and I know you've written about this, that the senator was upfront about his own flaws. It wasn't something he tried to hide.
2: He was, and this was something that, when you know, in the I don't know millions of interviews I must have done with town hall uh, people who went to his town halls, over 114 of them, I believe. Uh, in New Hampshire in 2000, and then again, he did the same thing in 2008. Uh, He would be very frank about his failings. The Keating Five uh, being caught up in a campaign finance scandal um, was in part what motivated him to be so uh, ferocious about trying to get money out of politics. And this is why when, when people talk about his character and his discipline and his honor... It is a durable kind of of character. In other words, it has scuff marks. It has been out in the real world. It's not encased in some glass case uh, and unreal. He failed a lot. He talked about his failures. Uh, He beat himself up about his failures. And even when he was off course, he was often trying to get back on course, Uh, which is why so many people looked at his life on the campaign trail and thought this is a model for the way politicians should behave, but also the way we should behave.
1: And reporters spend so many hours with candidates, as I know you did, some of them off the record. I, I know you've said that you sometimes had to sort of guide the senator to go off the record because he was so uh, colorful in some of his storytelling.
2: Well, you know, one of the things, uh, and, and, his, and his candor got himself into tr- got him in trouble in 2000, some of the days you'd be in conversation with him over nine hours. Um, and so that he would this was of course in the pre sort of internet everything is covered every second kind of way and for in the service of trying to make a larger point he would sometimes shorthand things uh... in ways that wouldn't make that wouldn't look good if you spliced the comment um, but you know what what got through to voters when they saw him uh... curious about this person he was a celebrity candidate a celebrity candidate not since ronald reagan that we would seen in two thousand but it was celebrity that had behind it this durable thing and the thing that was durable is what had sustained him for five and a half years in a dark box it wasn't just running on his gaudy name he was running on a set of values and when he talked about it he talked about the people he'd served with he talked about the connection of their duty honor and service in very difficult times and connected it to real-life Americans at the moment and then he said this to his audience he said there are still great causes whenever there's a person who's poor that's a great cause. Whenever there's an old person who lacks uh, insurance or lacks hope, that is a great cause. And he was trying basically to make this transaction to say, the things that allowed me to get through those five and a half years of torture and giving up uh, the right to be released early, what got me through that can still sustain you now. And that's what made people stand up and applaud for those ideas, even if they disagreed with him, which they often did in those uh, town halls.
1: And yet at the end of his career, uh, he... He was still a maverick uh, going toe to toe sometimes with President Trump, the head of his own party. Do you see any voice out there like McCain's right now who's willing to take the chances you described?
2: In the conversations I've had uh, since his passing, there are a lot of Republicans, a lot of people who think that this is not just the dying of a Senate icon, but the dying of a set of principles. But I think McCain, McCain would argue against that. Uh, And you argue, we should just note, the way he used to sometimes go after this legislation was the way he used to box at the Naval Academy. They said he would just run into the middle of the ring and start throwing punches. (laughs) Uh, And he, uh, you know, sometimes that worked and sometimes he got knocked on his behind. But the always getting up is the key thing uh, in McCain. But in terms of whether that still exists, I think his argument would be all he did was plug his life into a set of American values that have been with the country since its founding the idea of self-sacrifice. When he got out of prison, he didn't talk about his great deeds. He talked about the deeds of all around him, not taking credit for yourself, recognizing the dignity in other people, recognizing even if somebody is in another party, they're still human beings. All of those things are available to all Americans. And while John McCain had a life trying to follow those and sometimes falling them short, everybody can plug into that. That would be his message. So while there may not be one person, I think his argument would be there are A whole nation full of people who have all of those same qualities that they can grab a hold of and live a life that might measure up at the end of it the way people are saying John McCain's did.
1: The better angels still live. Thank you very much, John Dickerson. We will be right back to hear more from some journalists who also knew and covered John McCain throughout his Senate career.
9: I used to think that all diet and weight loss plans were the same. Well, not anymore, because I found Noom. Noom is a new and totally different approach to losing weight and getting healthy that uses psychology and small goals to help change your habits. So it's easy to lose the weight and keep it off for good. Noom combines the power of technology with real human support, offering as little or as much help as you want along the way. And since Noom is an app, it's always with you and easy to use which makes it super easy to stay on track and reach your goals. Plus, it's really simple to get started. Just go online, answer a few quick questions, and they'll create a personalized program just for you. Noom helped me lose my old way of thinking about food and dieting. So what do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash podcast, N-O-O-M.com slash podcast, and start your 14-day trial today. Like they say, change your habits, change your mind, and change for good. With Noom,
1: for our political panel this morning, we've gathered three writers from the hometown paper, so to speak, here in the nation's capital, the Washington Post, to talk about Senator John McCain. Dan Balls is the chief correspondent covering national politics, the presidency, and Congress. Michael Gerson is a nationally syndicated columnist. And columnist Karen Temelty wrote the paper's lead story this morning On the life of John McCain and Karen I know you had been working on this for some time you had amazing anecdotes in there Uh, one that stood out to me was McCain as a child you said (laughs) he had such stubbornness he once held his breath until he almost passed
10: out he actually did pass out Uh, (laughs) I think his personality became clear very early and he (laughs) would have these tantrums where he would hold his breath until he passed out and his mother went to a navy doctor who said next time that happens just take him fully clothed and drop him in a tub of cold water so that's how she would deal with it. I don't
1: think it worked. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that that really changed the, the character. Um, you know, John Dickerson, our colleague there was sharing uh, what he had heard which was last night in Arizona as the senator's body was being taken from his home. There were people just gathered on the side of the road saluting him uh, one last time, sort of an informal tribute to John McCain. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, it, you know, we talk a lot about the sparring he's doing with the current president, mm-hmm. but there is still that deep respect that is coming there, and you saw last night in Arizona.
11: I think you're seeing it everywhere, I mean, not and not just from politicians and the kinds of statements that we're hearing from, from everyone who's had their life touched by John McCain. I got an email from a friend this morning who's up in upstate New York who was at a diner for breakfast and people were talking about McCain there uh, and what a patriot he was so I mean I think his impact goes way beyond just the pure political system I think people look at him for what he was which was a patriot and an American and I think that that set of values uh, is something that I think people find in short supply today, and they look at McCain's life and his example, and they think we, we need more of that.
12: Yeah. I think there's a little bit of desperation in some of this that we don't have it in as much as we need. This is a time when we need heroes, and this is a hero passing from the scene. So I think there's a bittersweet element to this. He was the polar opposite to the president on many things um, and go- really played that role.
10: I also think that what we're seeing here is the passing of a generation when it was expected that our national leaders would have early in their lives served. And, uh, you know, John McCain is is one of the last of that breed, too.
1: You heard John Dickerson say that some Republicans he had talked to referred to this as the dying of a principal, not just the dying of a patriot, but that McCain would have rejected that description. What do you make of that?
12: I think he would have rejected it. Um, I think he, he viewed America in a certain way, through a certain lens, as a place of ideals and principles, not just a land, not just a piece of property, but the carrier of a human ideal. Um, and this is what he talked about. The reason he was critical of a lot of current foreign policy was, you know, he, he was a voice for oppressed people around the world. He could have just been a, a hawk you know, uh, and a defense hawk as a senator. And he spoke up for the people of Vietnam, he spoke up for the people around Asia who knew his name from Radio Asia. This is someone who cares about me. Um, And that was really a a great role that he played about, you know, extending American values.
1: It was certainly a role he put himself in in the past year since the election of President Trump. I'm thinking of him going to the Munich Security Conference and standing up in front of European allies despite being, you know, not feeling well and saying, basically, don't, don't forget us and I'm going to stand up for Western values. America is still here. Who is that voice now?
11: I think it remains to be seen who that voice is, but I also think it is much more difficult to do what John McCain has done throughout his life in the current era we're in. I mean, one of the things I think his passing represents is the passing of a certain era. I mean, he operated at a time when not, he, had, he had principles that he lived in ways that other politicians didn't, and yet at the same time there was a greater acceptance of the kinds of ambitions and values that he was trying to represent, i.e. working across party lines to get things done. Recognizing that compromise is a way to get progress. Uh, an ability to have fights with people and move on. Um, and it, we're, we're in a different time. It is a much more, as we've talked a lot about, it's a much more poisonous time politically. Um, I think that, that Senator McCain's passing reminds us of how difficult it will be for someone to step into those shoes.
1: And Karen, the president is not part of this tribute, and that was a choice being made by the McCain family. What do you make of that?
10: Um, I think that the this president and John McCain are just polar opposites in so many ways. And one thing is in the, the sort of code of honor with which John McCain lived. It was It both defined him and it haunted him. The lowest moments of his life were when he betrayed his own principles. When he, in Vietnam, it wasn't being beaten and having his arms broken, but it was signing a forced confession, vague, that admitted to black crimes. To him, that was the single low moment. And I think we don't see, you know, Donald Trump prides himself on never apologizing for anything, never looking back. That is the exact opposite of John McCain, who was always sort of trying to perfect himself to the point where he could live up to his own code of honor.
1: You wrote about that saying it was, he, it pained him to think that that moment of breaking might have hurt his father and caused him great embarrassment. And yet he used that to go on and fight his own party even at times on this issue of enhanced interrogation techniques and torture.
10: He was. And it was, um, again, I mean, he was John Sidney McCain III. He was named after his father and his grandfather, the first two men in the history of our country to go on to become four-star admirals. And then the weight of that name and what it represented also was just part of who he was.
12: I also think that the invitation to President George W. Bush to give this speech yes. is an important one. You mentioned torture. They disagreed about that. This was one of the toughest rivalries in American politics. It was, was a
1: pretty uh, tough fight. They uh, I had. was on the other
12: side of that uh, you know, McCain Express right. in 2000. we thought it was going to run us over. and it, it was <laughs> you were pretty, a
1: speechwriter. Yeah,
12: but uh, over the years, um, McCain and uh, George W. Bush have talked on the phone quite a bit. And more, even more in the period during his illness. Um, about and, what? And well, I think about old times, um, <laughs> you know, like you know former football players, um, you know, that talk about old rivalries. Um, but it became very warm. I think a genuine friendship. And and Senator McCain asked uh, President Bush to give the eulogy months ago, um, as he was thinking about who he wanted as his own. Um, uh, funeral. So I think it's a sign of reconciliation in a lot of ways, a good one.
1: He asked George W. Bush, yes, asked Barack Obama, the two men who really defeated him in his bids for the presidency. I mean, what do you, what is the message that the senator was going for in choosing those two individuals?
12: Well, I think the message is, personally, he always moved on. I mean, he didn't live in yesterday with all of its uh, recriminations. And yet moved-
1: President Trump,
12: yeah, we moved on to the next stage, um, and I think that, you know, it represents that. I mean, both of these were rivals, but these were the kind of rivals where they believed the other side was going to serve the country. Um, they had different views, but similar goals, and I think we're losing some of that. The, 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 the conflict with President
11: Trump is interesting because from President Trump to John McCain is personal attack. He's mm-hmm. not a hero just because he got shot down. That's the way... He has gone at that. John McCain has opposed President Trump on principles. Mm
1: -hmm.
11: President Trump says America first, John McCain is country first. There's a real difference in that. And I think that that's that's the way each of these politicians has approached the way they try to do their jobs. And I think it says everything about the difference between the two.
1: And in the final memoir of John McCain, he talks a lot about what President Trump has really represented some of those threats that he says to that country-first principle, the, the nativism he talks about, his frustration with the ability to get immigration reform through, uh, his, his frustration with the country in many ways, but he is still an optimist.
11: He is an there. optimist, he's a realist, um, but I think that at his heart he is a fighter, and he's a fighter for the principles that he has believed in. I mean, this notion of fighting for a cause larger than yourself and, you know, sound corny and cliched, mm-hmm. he lived that. Uh, and I think that that's why the battles that he has been engaged in both before President Trump and currently with President Trump flow out of the same set of principles.
1: And, Karen, one of the things that perhaps sticks in, in the president's mind, not only the vote on health care, but also, and he writes about this in The Restless Wave, is the decision to, be, to, to receive this so-called steel dossier when he was in Europe and to be the one who brought that to the FBI and hand it to Jim Comey. But
10: that really was uh, Senator McCain doing the responsible thing. Um, And again, very much of a contrast with um, the meeting in Trump Tower, where where a foreign adversary is offering the the Trump campaign dirt on Hillary Clinton, and they take the meeting. Uh, Senator McCain's impulse was to turn it over to law enforcement.
1: And he writes about that that was why he chose that, the justification for it. And yet in this environment, it is filtered as just a political choice, not one of principle here.
11: Yeah, I mean, but so much of everything today is filtered through that political lens. Um, And people will, you know, there are people who take issue with John McCain for a variety of reasons. Um, And whenever there is a moment in which John McCain is in the news, those people come out to trash him um, but as I say I think that the way McCain approached his life and, and approached everything he did uh, was to stand up for America to stand up as, as Mike said for uh, oppressed people for the underdog uh, and to keep fighting and keep fighting and not and even when losing to get back up and keep going.
1: Senator Flake of Arizona when I asked him you know who takes up this mantle said oh there are many people who can. There's a very real question, who takes Senator McCain's seat in Congress and who will in in this upcoming primary race that's also being fought right now in Arizona, ultimately uh, take the seat that Jeff Flake is retiring from. Who literally takes the mantle?
11: Well I I don't know that we can say that anybody can take the mantle. Someone can fill the seat um, but that's quite different from filling, uh, from taking the mantle. And I think that that has to be in the, in the heart and soul of other people as they watch these last days in which we will be talking about John McCain day in and day out and thinking about the example that he had. Uh, it, will be, it will be up to others to try to summon up some of what McCain has represented and see if they can take it on.
1: Is it overstating things to call it the, the death of romantic conservatism as some
12: Well I do think there is a generational element. Um, I was with um, John McCain in the last days of the 1996 campaign. During 96 hours where we went straight, Bob Dole went straight. Um, The person, he was going to lose, Dole was going to lose, but the person who rode on the plane with him was John McCain. And we were at a a, uh, bowling alley at 2 a.m. where uh, Dole lost his voice. And McCain had to provide that voice. And the the points he made about service and sacrifice, in praising that generation, brought everyone to tears. It was just extraordinary. Who has the, you know, the ability, to the standing, to be that voice? And I think that's an open question.
10: And yet, I think that if you look at his concession speech in two thousand eight, where he was actually mm-hmm. celebrating the moment that the country had reached, even as he's con- conceding defeat, he was a remarkable man.
1: He was, and I know we will all be. Watching as he is honored this week. Thank you for sharing your stories about him. And thank all of you for joining us this morning. That's it for us today. There will be continuing coverage of the life and legacy of John McCain all this week here on CBS News and on our digital network, CBSN. Until next Sunday, for Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Arizona Republican Senator Jeff Flake. Illinois Democratic Senator Dick Durbin, and former Secretary of State John Kerry. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com. And you can...
13: For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition, wherever you get your books. Hey, everybody. John Stewart here. I am here to tell you about my new podcast, The Weekly Show. It's going to be coming out every Thursday. So exciting. You'll, you'll be saying to yourself, "TGIT." Thank God it's Thursday. We're going to be talking about all the things that hopefully obsess you in the same way that they obsess me. The election, economics, earnings calls. What are they talking about on these earnings calls? We're going to be talking about ingredient to bread ratio on sandwiches. And I know that I listed that fourth, but... In importance, it's probably second. I know you have a lot of options as far as podcasts go, but how many of them come out on Thursday? I mean, talk about innovative. Listen to The Weekly Show with Jon Stewart wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds.